0: Welcome, to Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who, when he neglects shaving, looks like the beast. No, uh, more like the Uh, (laughs) man-wolf. My bearded friend, Eddie. How are you today,
1: Eddie? I'm doing wonderful. It's summertime. It's beautiful outside. And I love
0: a good beard. I think beards are a great quality to have at all times. Yeah, we had some hairy characters in these books uh, (laughs) that we read for today's podcast. Some of the characters were actually historical characters from Uh previous spider-man books uh some characters were from the avengers of the x-men and some characters were actually from like literature eddie i feel we could use some help so i brought in a person (laughs) who is very well read to the tune of over 3200 spider-man comic books to join us on the podcast (laughs)
1: Uh, James B., we always need some help, and here for his fourth appearance is the man who reads Spider-Man books like I Drink Tea. Kevin Ewing is here with us, and I feel reanimated to have you join us. How's it going today, Kevin? It's going good.
2: Thanks for having me back. It's always a blast to be here. And, uh, you know, I've recently reached the point in my Spider-Man comics read-through where I'm reading the crossovers he had with other comic company characters. So I have Superman, Batman, Ultra Force, whoever that is, and Red Sonja, <laughs> among others, to look forward to. And I'm looking forward to discussing these Marvel team-up issues because they always seem to make for good podcast fodder. Although, last time I was here, Eddie only had very short, almost mechanical-like comments and responses, so I hope he is a little more outgoing <laughs> interactive this time.
0: Reanimated, as stated before. I'm ready. I actually like the fact that Kevin is probably the only guest, when we have him for a Marvel team-up, that's actually read the Marvel team-ups beforehand. I mean, you've read these books before, right? I have
2: once, at least, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I'm telling you, no one else has. (laughs) And the first of these books is from August of 1975, Marvel Team-Up 36, featuring Spider-Man and Frankenstein's monster in Once Upon a Time in a Castle by Conway, Buscema, and Coletta. Spidey is a boopin' some baddies when he is
1: unexpectedly blasted and knocked out. A few moments later, he awakens, strapped to a table next to Frankenstein's monster, about to be experimented on by Baron Ludwig von Stupf in a castle in the Balkans. (laughs) James B., Uh, how could Spider-Man have
0: woken up in the Balkans here? It's funny that you bring that up because I could explain it best in a segment called So You're Saying There's a Chance.
1: All right. I can't wait.
0: Okay. We have three books and a guest. This is going to be a long podcast and we got to get in 30 minutes. So I'm going to have to be a little more efficient with my So You're Saying There's a Chance segments. Okay. Here's the deal. You want to get to San Francisco, right? From New York, it's six and a half hours on a plane. Okay. All right. You want to get to Serbia. It's only eight and a half hours on a plane, Eddie. Nobody would question if Spider-Man woke up in San Francisco. Look, he got knocked out. He got put on a plane. He got there. All right? Just deal with it.
1: All right. Well, thank
0: you for clearing that do, up. Does, <laughs> it, does it make sense? You, do you understand? <laughs> I,
1: I, I guess absolutely. He just knocked out for a very long time, like in a drug-induced coma. So yeah, eight hours. Eight hours. Well, he could be knocked out for Seems pretty plausible.
0: Hours. Thank maybe, you.
1: Maybe he hadn't slept for like a day or two. Like so, okay, all right.
0: As long as you understand
1: that you're saying there's a chance, I'm, I'm saying there's a chance. So fortunately for Spidey, the Baron grossly underestimates the wallcrawler's strength, and he quickly breaks free, webs everyone, and releases a Frankenstein's monster who's right next to him on another table. Uh, The unlikely pair find themselves outside in the snow where Frankenstein's monster tells his woeful tale of his backstory.
2: James B, I know you and Eddie recently had an episode where Spider-Man and Dracula came across one another in Giant Size Spider-Man number one. How do you feel about Frankenstein's monster?
0: Um, I think, Kevin, something about having Morbius around or just vampires in general allowed me to be okay with Dracula. As well as anybody could be okay with Dracula being in your Spider-Man comic. <laughs> but the problem with Frankenstein's monster is he is one creature from literature. He is not a type of creature. He is Frankenstein's monster. I really didn't like to see him existing in this world. Uh, real quick aside, I know this is from another podcast I was listening to. It was the June 9th, 2022 Under the Influence episode about Mary Shelley, um, mm-hmm. she was uh, she's the author of uh, Frankenstein, guys. Yeah. And she wrote Frankenstein when she was given kind of a challenge when she was on a retreat with three other gentlemen, one who she would marry. Um, and the other guys, uh, Lord Byron, um, and this other guy's last name was like uh, Puldori. Um, uh, Byron wrote a vampire story, and Puldori had it published, and that became like the history of vampires. So these four guys mm-hmm. got together, and uh, she wrote, Frankenstein, and basically, he created vampires in the same little you know weekend. Oh,
1: that's crazy! Cool. Dang. Yeah, what a learn wow, something. What today. a lot of what a lot of uh, 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 talent, imagination, <laughs> all in one tiny little they,
0: group. They 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 credit Frankenstein often with being the first uh, sci-fi story ever. Oh.
1: Wow. Well, uh, back in Marvel team ups, I, I scream. <laughs> interrupts the kumbaya moment uh, between the unlikely friends and they rescue a woman from some evil skiers only to be double-crossed and gassed by the victim. Spidey and Frankenstein awake 13 minutes later at S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 324's residence. Wait, how did this woman move these two guys, and I would say Frankenstein is more than just some average dude, Uh, in
0: 13 minutes back to her house? Anyone? Well, I was concerned why she was spraying them and knocking them out, but I think I have an explanation for that. But your question is, how did she get a 600-pound monster and Spider-Man from knocked out on a ski slope into her cabin in 13 minutes? Yes, that is the question. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> it sounds like I need to show you a segment called So You're Saying There's a Chance.
1: <laughs> Again? Uh, all right, go Eddie, ahead, I'm, James
0: B. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really don't have... I don't really have time to keep doing this because we have a lot to go through. But Eddie, there's a bunch of skis right there. She okay. clearly put all the skis underneath Frankenstein, and it didn't. It didn't say how far away her cabin is. Her cabin was right off the page. You could just see uh, it. It was right. only about, you know, fifty feet away. That's all. Plus, this is she a alive. this is
2: a shield agent we're talking about. So you know, she's very resourceful.
1: Uh, Unlimited mm. resources. She might not have even been alone. Rolled him onto the skis and then
0: guided him down the hill. <laughs> not down the hill. Right to the left oh. off panel. Her house could be right there. It didn't say where she was. Okay, Eddie, is it possible that her house could be right there? Uh, all right,
1: James B. Is it uh,
0: possible she could have had help? Is uh, it possible she could have just dragged him over on the skis? Well, okay. I'm saying there's a chance.
1: Uh, Kevin, I noticed Frankenstein, uh, there's like smoke or is this steam from his breath coming out of his mouth all throughout this book? What's going on? Yeah, obviously
2: it's very cold outside on this snowy Balkan mountain uh, and we do see his breath in quite a few panels. Uh, we could say that we don't see Spider-Man's because of his mask, but at the same time, we can't see the shield's breath though. And I've never oh, true. I've never read Mary Shelley's novel nor seen any of the the Frankenstein movies, (laughs) but I have to assume that to get all those different body parts to work, he has a heart pumping warm blood to them. Maybe maybe the electricity used to create the monster makes him run a little warmer than 98.6 degrees, and that's why we see his breath and not anyone else's. Conversely, this was well before the Marvel smoking ban in 2001, so maybe he is Uh just taking a hit off panel.
1: Oh, man, I'd love to think of Frankenstein smoking all throughout this book. Um, well, uh, back to uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 324, or Agent Klemmer is her name. Uh, she explains that Von Schrupf is a madman, and Spidey and Frankie want to go help. Uh, but Spider-Man and the lady agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. tell Frankenstein's monster he's not sneaky enough for the mission, and they head off to the castle without him. Frankenstein gets lonely and meanders over to the castle, breaks in, subdues some guards, and finds Manwolf about to attack his new friends with von Schupf. Um, how did Manwolf get here, everyone?
0: Eddie, please don't <laughs> make me do this again. He's here. Just, let's just let's just move on. I'm just so confused. Well,
1: all right, moving on.
2: Say, Eddie, uh, what do you think of the cover of this book?
1: I You know, I'm just so glad that the cover explains this book so clearly. <laughs> Did everybody take a look at the cover?
0: Yes, yes. we saw the cover. Who, yes,
1: Who's this guy? Spider-Man's fighting on the side of a castle. It looks nothing like Frankenstein. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this looks like someone familiar. Is that supposed to be Frankenstein, everyone?
0: I mean, his skin color is different, but I recognized him.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know why he's
0: trying to kill Spider-Man, but other than that, (laughs) Eddie, didn't you explain last issue that the covers are just supposed to entice you to buy the book?
1: Yes. You know, I read some of the letters at the end of these Marvel team ups and one of the people wrote it and said, you know, I'm so frustrated by this cover because it doesn't make sense with what's going on. And um, Jerry Conway or Stan, whoever it was, wrote back and said, well, the cover is to draw the reader in to what's going on in the book, which... I gotta say, makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> Write the cover with something
0: pertinent to the book. Uh. <laughs> well, Marvel Team Up 36 rolls right into Marvel Team Up 37. So, without further ado, from September of 1975, Marvel Team Up 37 featuring Spider-Man, Frankenstein's Monster, and the Man-Wolf in Snow Death. By Conway, Busima, and Coletta, and yes, Eddie, the editor is Marv Wolfman. His name really is Wolfman. He actually worked on a lot of the Dracula books. He created Blade, uh, co-created Blade, so he, he's a real guy.
1: I just I think it's so funny the jokes in that that studio when they're like, let's bring Wolfman in for Wolfman. <laughs> uh, but to open this book, we see Avon Stroop saying, "Kill them, man, Wolf." Kill! I, the Monster Maker, command it. Well, the, um, the trio, Spider Man, Frankenstein, and Agent Klemmer, are battling when Manwolf snatches Klemmer and jumps through a window. Distracted by their abrupt departure, Spider Man and Frankenstein are blasted by Stupef into unconsciousness. Eddie, what'd you think of this gun? I, this gun is so powerful. It it makes Frankenstein and Spider Man unconscious on, uh, uh, you know, like with one blast out of nowhere.
0: I don't know what to say. Kevin, do you have the a copy of like the book open, the Marvel team up? Yeah. Do you see on page uh, six? There's a reference that says you can get a no prize if you can identify the last time Spider Man faced Man Wolf. I do. Which of your 3,200 comic books did you read (laughs) with Spider-Man Last Fighting Man-Wolf? I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I've only had to read 207 books, so So, it's easier for me. There's a prize for you, too, Kevin, if you get this Yeah, it's a prize from us. We'll give you a $15 credit on the sponsor today. Well,
2: that's good, because I try to support your show as much as possible, so my wallet could really use a $15 sponsor credit. I think he first battled Jameson when he wasn't the Man-Wolf... Uh, and he was just powered from some space rocks. guess it's somewhere in the 120s to 130. But I can't think of the actual issue number. And then I think he also encountered him in a giant-sized issue as well. And I don't know the number of that either.
1: He did. I, I agree with Kevin that I think he showed up in a giant size not too long ago.
0: Does anyone know... What giant size? I do not. Uh, giant size three. He shows up in Giant Size Superheroes one.
2: Ooh. Oh, not it's Giant just, Size Spider Man.
0: Nope, mm. it's Morbius and Man Wolf in Giant Size Superheroes one. I do not think there's a Giant Size Superheroes two. By the way, it's just this one book by itself. So, just a, it's a. I know the book because I had to get it and we had to do it. So, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go cover that book. Yeah. So that's how I remember. There goes my fifteen dollar credit. I guess. well perhaps there'll be another opportunity for you to get some sort of credit you never know Uh, Eddie please continue the unlikely
1: pair Spider-Man and Frankenstein awake once again strapped to a table slowly moving towards a dissecting laser warming up to blast them Spidey is unable to break out, and Von Stupf takes a sentimental minute to monologue about how his future Spider-Man, Frankenstein, Man-Wolf monster creations will take revenge upon the callous, uncaring world. Spider-Man mocks him, and Von Stupf says, Spider-Man,
0: I will kill you for your petulance. Kevin, assuming that the Man-Wolf represents the Werewolf, I know we've already seen Morbius. Uh, I don't know if Man-Thing is like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Does Spider-Man fight the Mummy? Uh, Who else is he going to fight in the future? Don't tell me if he wins or not. But does he see any other classic villains?
2: Well, besides the Man-Wolf, there's a more traditional Werewolf that he has fought. And it's something you've already covered. Uh, Do either of you remember which episode, the Werewolf? Jack Russell. Jack Russell, yeah.
1: In San Francisco, yes.
2: Yeah, That was from the Daredevil crossover episode.
0: Six hours away in San Francisco, right, yeah. Eddie? Six hours? <laughs> Correct, yes. And
2: then there are a lot of Jekyll and Hyde-inspired characters in comics.
0: Oh, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, yep. the Hulk
2: being the biggest example, but yeah, you're right. Mr. Hyde is the, is the most direct example of that one. There is a living mummy in the Marvel Universe, but I think Spidey only briefly encountered him. And then lastly, uh, there is a, a character called Zombie that, that Spidey has tackled a time or two. And then... Uh, for a brief time, the King of Monsters, Godzilla, was part of the Marvel Universe, and Spider-Man guest-starred Ooh. in his comic book as well. <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. I know Charles Barkley faced Godzilla, but I didn't know Spider-Man did. <laughs> <Right. again. laughs> Eddie, please
1: continue. Uh, meanwhile, Manwolf carries a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, Clemmer, into the woods and defends her from a pack of wolves. Uh, after she tricks him into thinking she's hungry and uh, she escapes which was weird. Uh, Back in the castle, Stupf sees no problem leaving Frankenstein and Spidey to be dissected by his lasers without supervision. With some steely strong fingers, Frankenstein breaks the table and some tombstone-like shooting of web, uh, Spidey gets them out. They find Stupf taking a nap, having fallen asleep reading his favorite monster and ghost stories. He is webbed and proceeds to cry. Uh. Eddie, in the last
2: Marvel team-up, you guys had Jeremiah the Prophet, and you thought he was kind of strange. What do you think of Von Stoop?
1: I, 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 Von Stoop is such a psychotic character in a really like, harmless kind of toddler way. I, anyone else have a read on this guy? I mean,
2: he has a really good ray gun, but other than that, he yeah, seems pretty unhinged.
1: He's a weird dude. Well, Spidey uh, heads off to find Agent Clemmer, only to bump into Manwolf first. The pair battle uh, and are interrupted by screams. Manwolf finds Clemmer and has to, once again, fight some wolves, but gets badly injured and passes out. As Manwolf is loaded onto a shield helicopter, Clemmer and Spidey inadvertently are mean to Frankenstein, and the gentle
0: giant stoically walks into the forest, friendless again. Hey, uh, Kevin. Yeah. I'm going to give you a chance to earn um, some of that $15 credit. Great. (laughs) I'll give you a $10 gift card, if that's okay with Eddie, if you do the summary for the next issue. Gladly. All right. Here we go. From October of 1975, Marvel Team-Up 38 featuring Spider-Man and the Beast in Night of the Griffin, written by Bill Mantlo? Layouts by Sal Busima and finishes by Mike Esposito.
2: Spider-Man swings through a storm drenched city when his spider sense suddenly goes off. He isn't sure why until he notices a man in a lab coat falling out of the sky. Spidey saves the falling stranger, but they both plummet into the nearby river.
1: I find uh, illustrations with rain so distracting, and it's raining all through the start of this issue. Uh, Spider-Man is having problems with his web. Uh, big problems, too. Um do you think his web is like he getting some knockoff ingredients so the rain is affecting it?
0: I know you've mentioned before the rain bothers you. Um when yeah. you have to read those pictures. I was so I was concerned for you. I, I felt it. But <laughs> thank you. Um I was distracted that the book took eleven panels for Spider Man to land in the water. He was like falling and falling and falling. They could have done that in two panels if he had just said, Oh no, someone's gonna fall in the water, I'll just swing out and catch him. I don't know what that bothered me. So um but let's keep going with the summary here.
2: Many moments later, Spider-Man emerges with the man and is helped out of the water by the former X-Man and now current Avenger, Beast, who had heard on the radio that something was happening near the dock. The lab coat-wearing man comes to and asks the two heroes to stop Johnny Horton, the griffin, before he kills more people.
0: See, Kevin, I'm willing to give you that $10 credit (laughs) because Marvel team-up summaries have to explain entire villains that are brand new. They're usually a one-shot villain. They have an entire origin story, so... You can continue and have fun with this. Go ahead. Well,
2: thankfully, the man gives some exposition as he reveals that he was a scientist that created the griffin for the secret empire, and that instead of being grateful that he was turned into a half lion, half eagle beast, <laughs> the griffin turned on his masters. After the man tells the heroes that the griffin is the one that dropped him from the sky, he dies. Suddenly, Beast and Spider Man are attacked by the griffin and his army of.
1: seagulls. Uh, it's like the flying version of the lizard. Except, man, it's, these seagulls are a hilarious power of the griffins. Uh, what?
0: <laughs> the griffin turns on his creators. Don't they capture him and give him even more power then? They
2: do. They give him some kind of a spiky tail for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's
0: wild. They're like, sorry you're annoyed at us and trying to fight us. Here's more power. All right. But, all right. Okay, Spidey webs up the seagulls. <laughs>
2: and saves the Beast from being drowned by the Gryphon. Gryphon flies off with Spider-Man, where the villain drops Spidey from the sky. Our hero manages to web-swing and land onto a bridge, where the stopped traffic immediately blames Spider-Man for the traffic jam the battle has caused. Beast makes his way to the bridge, and the two heroes deliver a powerful simultaneous punch that knocks out the Gryphon.
0: The most memorable part of this book, I think, to me, was the end. And, Eddie, we can't end our Marvel team-up show without... Our special segment, right?
1: That's right, James B. It's time for my favorite segment. It's not Shakespeare. It's Marvel team-ups.
0: Okay, so we're going to read page 31. Your choice is you're either the chauffeur or you're the Spider-Man slash B slash cop, because they each have like one line. The, the tricky part for them is you have three different voices. The tricky part for the chauffeur is he talks a lot.
2: I'll be the chauffeur.
0: Okay. You get All your right.
2: Chauffeur.
1: All right. Uh-oh, three different voices. Okay, okay. Yes, but they're not. They're spaced
0: out a little bit, okay? Right. Here we go. <clears throat> Ahem! Just a moment, officers! Uh, madam. Quiet, Renfro! I must ask you not to interfere. Oh, what's the problem, lady? It's late, and we all like to go home, so... Precisely! These these ruffians have halted traffic for nearly 15 minutes while going on with their childish brawl, making me late for a very important dinner engagement. Uh, madam... Will you desist, Renfro? I simply must demand restitution from these vigilantes
2: for my delay. But, madam... What is it, Renfro?! With it, man! It was not they who halted traffic, madam. It was our car. I, uh, neglected to replace a faulty tire this morning, and we acquired a flat a short while back. It, I, it won't happen again, madam.
0: Oh, you are correct, Renfro. It won't. You are herewith discharged. Now fix that tire and take me home. City air is so
1: bad for my sinuses. You forgot something, lady. Like an apology to us ruffians. Way to go, Spider Spinner. Eek! Renfrew! Yes, madam?
0: Don't just stand there! Release me!
2: I cannot, madam.
0: Why on earth can't
2: you? You fired me, madam. Don't you remember?
0: End scene.
1: <laughs> it's not Shakespeare. It's Marvel team-ups.
0: So that's how the book ends. I think we should squeeze in our sponsor and then we can come back and cover anything we didn't cover because I don't want to have a sponsorless episode. That would be bad, especially since we just told Kevin he's getting $10 off our sponsor. Fantastic idea, James B. So, Eddie, what is the biggest problem with having to travel by air these days? Uh, uh, Long waits in lines. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, the lines is terrible. I mean, shopping for prices, bad. Buying tickets, bad. Getting liquids into three-ounce bottles, annoying. <laughs> but standing in lines is terrible. Well, Eddie, while Elon Musk worries about space travel and purchasing comment boards, BLUVS Airlines, with founder Baron Ludwig von Schrapp, can get you where you want to be quickly and hassle-free. Here's how it works. Decide where you want to go. And with a one-click, Eddie, just one-click payment on the website, you're done. (laughs) And then one day soon, you and your family will arrive in the destination hassle-free with no negative memories of waiting in lines or worrying if you pack the sunblock. So, Eddie, are you going to book round-trip tickets to the Carolinas? Or did you want to buy some random tickets, which is an offering from BLUVS Airline, and see where destiny takes you? Do, wait, am I
1: getting knocked out as soon as I click on my computer that I want to go there? Is that what's
0: happening? Eddie, you will have no negative memories of waiting in lines <laughs> or worrying if you pack the sunblock. B- Bluevis? Bluevis Airlines?
1: Gloves. Baron Ludwig von up Oh, Bluffs. thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> it seems a little dangerous to be uh, d- unconscious
0: for such a long time. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Being I don't think being unconscious for a long time is a problem. Where are you a doctor too, Eddie? You no, know, I'm
1: not. I, it is, I would love to hear if Dr. Bromwell approves of this uh, sponsor. But Well,
0: I, someone who, who I know likes a sponsor because they have a hefty $10 discount credit is our co-host Kevin. Kevin, tell us what you're going to do with your ticket.
2: So I see two positives to this. Um, one, I travel for work a lot. So they're going to pay for this, not me. So I get to keep my $10 mm. credit and use it on something else. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Two, I have a very hard time sleeping on planes when I fly. So mm. that's solved now.
0: You know, a lot of times Eddie likes to sol- bring up all the negatives on our sponsors. I think sometimes he does it just to give me a hard time. But this is a good sponsor, Eddie. Ugh.
1: I, I mean, Kevin makes a good point. It's it's difficult Kevin to makes, sleep on play. I think I made yes. two good points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we'll just we'll talk about this off air. But gentlemen, do you have anything else you wanted to say about these books that was super important?
2: Typical Marvel team up, average issues. Nothing, nothing too great.
0: Yeah, I felt you could have plugged anybody in in that last book. Spider-Man didn't do anything very Spider-Manly. You could have just put any characters in there fighting. Him and the Beast were just running around, sort of half fighting the villain. And at the end, the villain just sort of got taken out for no particular reason. I found that Book 38 was not very fun, but having Kevin here has been fun. Kevin, can you do your 30-second promotion of what Drunk Pete is again? Blisters have heard you a couple times. They probably know, but just in case... Let them know what it is and how they can reach you.
2: Yeah, I'll just mention that over on Twitter, we have a hashtag drum Pete, where we live tweet a pre-selected Spider-Man comic every Saturday night. And uh, at the time of this recording, we've just started a six week Thor themed run of issues to coincide with the release of Thor Love and Sunder. And on Twitter, you can re- reach me at Kevin Ewing 22.
0: Eddie, where can people find us? You can email us at anytime
1: at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us
0: on Twitter at letsreadspidey. And it's time for the close. Uh, I'm James B. joined by Eddie. And Kevin.
2: And remember, listeners, if you are ever trapped by a wolf-like man-beast, simply mime to it that you are hungry and it will go off to look for food, allowing you to easily escape.
0: Goodbye. 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 Kevin, was there anything that we didn't get to cover in any of the books?
2: Uh, the only thing I'll mention is at the end of 38, when the Beast and Spider-Man wallop uh, the griffin there at, at the same time, uh, that's kind of a, a very famous punch style that the artist Sal Buscema draws. Uh, he's kind of uh, famous for doing that style of punch where the heroes are in the background throwing the punch and the, the villain or whoever was punched is is in the foreground flying away. So that's that's kind of a a, a trope almost for, for Sal Buscema comics.
0: You know, it's funny. When we were reading the names of the people, I was thinking, Kevin's going to know how to say these names. And the fact that I have to deal with uh, Sal and John Buscema, it'd be nice if I was saying his name right then, calling him Busema too, you know, because <laughs> there's two of them.
2: People say them both ways very, very often.
0: Okay. Am I okay with Vermita?
2: Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like another another double, and it's pronounced Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs>